Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 145 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on September 28th over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at a Drifter's Gambit lore booklet. But first, let's run through a quick introduction for those of you or for those who are on the show for us with us tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. And then next up and only, we have the man who is known far and wide as the Destiny Lore content cop, the one and only Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. I'm, I'm thrown off because I'm, I'm used to having more than more intros. I was like, I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't have I don't have any super names to throw out. <laughs> You're just like, wait a minute. How many people are here? This why, is a problem. Why, I'm why, confused. Why, why we have so many so little people? Um, yeah, really. Well, real quick, jump. I mean, I guess really just jumping right in. We had asked uh, the community la- or this last week, should we be worried about the drifter? And you know, like I think the the actual terminology was, should be worried that the drifter is up to no good, and that by playing Gambit, we are aiding him. Um, and pretty overwhelmingly, the community, the community over there was responded with yes. The yes was seventy five percent. No was 25%, and I think the total number of votes was about 100, 140, uh, yeah, 136 mm. total. Um, and I, I wanted to read a couple of them because for a large, for a large percentage of them, most of them, most of the responses are basically, you know, he's, he might be bait for, for larger prey, but he in and of his, in of itself is pretty dangerous as well that we need to be worried the best response, however, comes from one fox, two fox, where he says he is a bad, bad man. Bungie is brilliantly brilliant, putting one of the most successful modes of destiny behind a sinister ploy. Quote, every moat you bank, every invasion you take, Drifter is watching you. Baby, can't you see darkness grows from thee? In Shin, I trust hunters lead the way. End quote. <laughs> Which I love. Oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I see what he did there by the end of that. <laughs> I get it now. Um, so, yeah that that made that made it all worth it. Um, but yeah, so and and the next week, 
we are going to actually be doing our extra lore content. Uh, so we will probably try to either get a question about that up over on the poll or on Twitter for everyone, which of course will get posted over in our Discord server as well for you guys to weigh in. Um, or we will try to do something. I'm assuming Green might have something in store for it. She usually does. But with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump in to the actual topic. Okay. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed a broken vanguard. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay up on the charts, which help others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you once again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the extra lore topic for September, Cyberpunk 2077. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want us to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. With all this being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. The Drifter is a man with a past littered with encounters that draw the question of, is there a side that he is on? Which also begs the question, is Drifter the only character in-game that we have personally encountered that appears to toe the line between light and dark? and remains a guardian in only the loosest of terms, rather considered a rogue light bearer. We enjoy, well, <laughs> most of us enjoy his gambit, yet do not question why or how he does what he is able. The man has collected taken primevals and enemies from every race. His ship and pocket ascendant plane now lie near the last city, and his own gambit has yet to be revealed. The ties to Dredgen Yor and the Shadows is littered throughout the new grimoire. Let us hope we can discover what his endgame is before his long con is complete. Let us dive into the mysterious Drifter and his gambit. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Drifter, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore.
All right, a rat, a all right, rat. Mavericks. Let's see what you're fighting today. Hive on the field. Grab a sword. Oh man. Well, this week actually for the lost lore, what I was thinking, I had shared this over with a couple or with our uh, podcast team, but I found I stumbled across a post by a user on Reddit who goes by Breath. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, man. Breath of Ahamkara, and. They had posted a idea on, I believe this was the Destiny Lore subreddit, about Callum, who we'll, we'll definitely you know mention here in this episode because we're going to be talking about the lore book booklet, uh, Drifter's Gambit, where we kind of hear about Callum a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But but he or they, sorry, uh, had posted the idea that Callum and kind of a, a connection here to some real life history. Uh, the origin of Callum's name. Um, and so, you know, like, where where does this name come from, basically, is what the the post is all about. And they go on to, to discuss that, you know, it's derived from St. Columbia, or St. Columba, who is an Irish saint, and, I mean, is an Irish saint that is really up on the same level as St. Patrick. Uh, this is a very, very, very big name in, in the story of uh, Ireland. And, you know, it's it's an interesting connection, too, because there's a book known as the Vitae Columbia, uh, or Calm, uh, Column Seal, uh, and there, there are actually three, I, guess, I think they're basically minor books, I want to call them chapters, but they're really three separate aspects of this, of this book. And in book two, the interesting thing is, is that we see some of Columba present uh, almost... Well, he is able to perform miracles. And the interesting thing or the, the the curious aspect of these miracles is that among them is the ability to bring the dead back to life. Uh, mm. And in book three, he actually goes he, – he also is able to prophesy. And in book three, we actually see him predicting his own death. But this is an interesting comment, and the reason why uh, Breath of Ahamkara brings this up, and I, I really like this connection – is the instance that we we interact with or we see Callum in the Drifter's Gambit book, he is actually seeming to sacrifice his ghost. Uh, and it is, he, he kills his own ghost with a thorn uh, from Thorn. So one of the barbed rounds from Thorn. It's basically he's made it into a dagger and he stabs his own ghost through the optics with it and kills it before the uh, the narrator uh, kills him. And the question is, is is really, you know, what is Callum doing? What What is exactly going on here? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's... Uh, and then I think the other thing is we, in-game, encounter Callum with the... Is it Maleficent? Mal- Maleficence? Malfiance quest is we have to actually um, go to the site of his tomb, I believe, which is on Io. And uh, I think it was a graveyard. I or graveyard. Like okay, the grave would be and everything, but not okay. having played it, I don't. I don't know. But oh, and apparently he has an Irish. I haven't actually played this, but apparently he also has an Irish accent, yeah. uh, which is another kind of interesting little connection here. But I'm I guess gonna say that quest actually allows you to hear a couple different voices from what I heard as well, which is uh, pretty nice. cool. 
Yeah, nice. So, and I guess the the reason that this is really kind of prominent in Breath Ahamkara's point of view is that when you go to that grave, you mm-hmm. you have to take part of Callum's ash, um, and it's explained in game is it's called depleted. So it's like, why is it depleted? Like, what what is going on here? Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, breath breath here presents this this theory basically that he's powered the dagger of thorn and basically used that to drain his ghost of its light and then connecting that back to columba who's his name who is callum's kind of namesake you know one of the abilities of columba was the resurrection of the dead well what would a shadow of your really who who would that want to be and so this post is actually called callum saint of the dredgen and I, I just I really like that idea. And so he it's like his the entire theory here is that he is this this character is trying to actually figure out a way to resurrect Dresden Yor. Um mm. and it ends with a quote of, like you said, you can't kill us all. So it's right. just a just a great, great little kind of theory there. Uh huge, huge shout out to the user Breath Ahamkar. I'm gonna be linking to that to that uh thread in reddit in the show notes so please be sure to jump in there and give them a big big shout out on there on the reddit there and if you aren't already on destiny lore subreddit you know definitely go check that out there's a lot of excellent posts being being put up there now that we have the breadth and and depth of new lore within the forsaken dlc but that being said Let's let's get into the the whole thing of of really kind of what it is tonight that we're going to be talking about, which is everyone's favorite. Well, some of your guys's favorite new PvP. I can't stand it. PvP mode uh, Gambit. So what is the Drifter's Gambit? To be honest, we don't know what the Drifter's Gambit is. We know that he is like Cade making a bet about something. Uh, there is a number of different entries, both within the actual Drifter's Gambit book, uh, and then also if you have the Ancient Apocalypse armor set, you have uh, one of three, depending on which class you have. The Titan has the story of the Drifter stealing some gear for Gambit, which is really funny. Uh, And then the hunter has the drifter really kind of preparing an arena for uh, a game on the Emerald Coast. And then the Warlock set, which is actually the set that we will probably be focusing on tonight, I have a feeling. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Um, Because the Warlock set introduces... (sighs) <sighs> introduces a whole host of little things that uh, that are very, 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 very interesting. Um, and this is a... So this, again, is off the Ancient Apocalypse uh, armor set. So we'll, I will be, of course, linking these in the show notes as well. Uh, but the Warlock set is talking about a part of the Drifter's past in which he encounters possibly... Um, the source of the giant thing that his ship is dragging along with him. Uh, okay, so that all being said, oh, sorry, yes, chat is bringing up the great point. Um, the order of reading these is interesting, and in the warlock, 
in the to be fair in the warlock set it is actually numbered uh, so that one is pretty easy but the hunter and sorry guys the hunter and the titan armor is not and the, the way, way I read them and interpreted them though it does seem like it goes from bond to uh, or from helmet to helmet bond. To, yeah I wanted to say that I think that was the case did i put those yeah. oh yeah yeah sorry I, I hid i did have forethought and put those in here um titan armor is hey you know what i said past past me surprises current me all the time uh <laughs> the titan armor the order that i i read them in uh was helm plate gauntlets greaves mark um which again yeah like beard saying is that's kind of the uh the top top to bottom there uh hunter is mask vest grips strides and then cloak so again top to bottom um and then warlock follows let me just make sure warlock follows the exact same thing but again warlock actually is helpful because each one of the warlocks is quoted as part blank of five see i don't know to me i read it as mass grips vest strides cloak and that seemed to make sense with the way that it was written for the hunter. Think, yeah, that's what I and have. for Titans as well. Actually, yeah, helmet, helmet, chest, arms, legs, class. No, I did uh, helmet, gauntlets, plate, greaves. Oh, really? Mark. Okay. So I flip flopped the two between the plate and the gauntlets. So at least there, because that's usually how I've been reading them. Because in the armor selection screen, that's how it pops up. That's well, and I. So for the Titan, though, like the mm-hmm. ar- the argument that I have here is for the Titan, if you read, uh, let me make sure I'm reading this. Let me make sure. Let me make sure that I am reading this correctly on my printout. Sure. Um, yes. So the plate, for instance, on Ancient Apocalypse, uh, the helm is him jumping onto the train. The plate is him on top of the train. The gauntlets are right after he takes out the two red jacks. And then the greaves are, or the the gauntlets are also when he runs into um, Joxer and Redix. And then the greaves are, <laughs> the greaves are him getting the Tex Mechanica. And then the mark is him coming back and being like, kind of hanging around Joxer and uh, Redix while they try to put the Red Jacks back together. So for that one, yeah, no, the that, the hunter one, I can see. the hunter one is much more fluid. I will give everyone that. Like I I continuously am still kind of arguing with myself on the reading order. For yeah, this one. I'm gonna say the hunter one is is definitely a weird one. But I'm it's also because it's like the... in the middle of a battle. Like it's it's a fight right. that he has where you kind of. This is also where we see his perspective of summoning a primeval. Which is very interesting, actually. Um, yeah. Like how how the whole primeval things get uh, summoned is a very interesting thing for him, and they are con- completely uh, completely controlled by him as well. Which is very because he doesn't just summon one primeval; he summons like he summons quite a few. Yeah, he summons several of them. Let me just. Sorry, I'm I'm do- I'm going through my notes real quick and. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm kind of poking <laughs> through it here. Because one of the too. this is the one where he flips off the cabal. I forgot yeah. about that one. 
Yeah, I'm going to say it's the it's the um, the T for Teen way of of giving. Yeah. The bird, oh basically. my gosh. Oh my Love gosh! I forgot. That. Nine. He summons nine primevals, and they just like mm-hmm. completely destroy the cabal. So, Hunter, oh, yeah. uh, Hunter, I'll I'll revisit and try to make sure that I have that in a, a logical way. Because, like I said, that one I can I keep going back and forth on. And then Warlock is Warlock is thankfully very straightforward, which is you know yeah nice. No, they have it they have it nicely documented which one is the first and which one's the second. And that one's important again because that one is an explanation of one may like possibly one of the things that the Drifter was doing outside of the system or supposedly outside the system. So right, but to kind of circle. Circle back real quick. Uh, when we talk about a Drifter's Gambit, a Drifter's Gambit is actually a collection of entries within the game. Uh, you know, we, we've been we've been really happy with this idea of lore books or booklets, whatever you want to call it, because of for better or worse, you know, whether you agree with the collection or you don't. What it does do is it allows us to have these types of conversations more um, more easily and more structured. Uh, and so this particular booklet, uh, I, I don't really want to call it a book because it's kind of a booklet, uh, has about, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten entries. Um, and the order that I have it in... Again, this is this is there's not a uh, specified order really, uh, so that we kind of take it based off the order of real kind of the hints that we have in the entries themselves, and then also based off the order that it is shown on screen in game. So we actually again, you know, big shout out to Bungie here. They are in game, which is a huge thing. Um, so the order that I have it written down, uh, Beard, you know, weigh in on this one if you disagree with a couple of these. Uh, I have mm-hmm. Uneasy Feeling, the first. Justified Means is the second. Uh, next is Step Into the Shade. Then Artifacts and Old Friends. Shadow on a Wall. Bright Side of a Bad Idea. The Price of a Double-Sided Coin. Checking the Chamber. A Matter of Trust. And The Long Con. It's kind of the order that I have them listed again, kind of going off of uh, some of the few hints in the actual um, in the actual entries and then also based off kind of the display pattern in game. I'm going to say I didn't quite get that far to begin with, but I'm going by the order that Ishtar has it up on underneath their book section, uh, which actually does. Yeah, I think they. I think that's the same setup that they have. I could be wrong. The only one that I am de- like a hundred percent confident that I have in the right place is the long con because mm-hmm. literally the last words in it is the a renegade's final words to a drifter before resuming the hunt. Yeah. So like I'm I mean, like context clues here, kids. That's probably the last one. Part of it is probably going to help when we end up getting a hold of some of the. Uh, the order via um when we get the the stuff unlocked through the books and everything uh that we can actually see the order that they have it listed in underneath uh bungee system oh like in the actual yeah yeah in like the in the actual triumph. ui yeah right that's a valid because point too. when we see it i think that way that'll give us the absolute measure uh behind it but 
I think that's the the thing that'll hold us back for the tiniest of bits, uh, which isn't much because uh, I know a lot of people are actually starting to get a hold of those, and I can start to to go back on it. The Malfeasance quest quest was the last uh, last note that we needed for it. Uh, all of the extra entries that we were missing are now unlocked uh, thanks to that quest. Ah, okay. Yeah, because I think uh, Dino in chat right now says that he has 9 out of the 10, so... Yeah. Like I say, I hear when you complete the quest, you should be able to get everything. Uh, or all of them are then available to us within uh, the game, basically. Uh, so that is the one thing that I at least have kind of heard, or a couple things I've heard about it. Well, and so kind of diving into, you know, talking about the... So talking about the Drifter and, and why people are so intrigued and yet turned away from him. Um, I guess the the first question that a lot of people I've, I've seen kind of debate about the Drifter's Gambit is who is who inside this? Yeah. Uh, the narrator is a an individual who goes by the title a renegade. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of see that as being Shin. Uh, simply because that's pretty much the only other reference that we've seen um, that term used in a naming format, really, uh, and and then also as we get into the as we get into the lore entries a little bit, it'll make it'll also make a little bit more sense because the individual who's narrating is a hunter who is a gunslinger, um, which we'll talk about when we get, especially when we start talking about Callum in, um, I believe that is Artifacts and Old Friends, I believe is the one. Artifacts and Old Friends and then Shadow on a Wall are the entries that really kind of point to the Renegade being a gunslinger. Um, and then obviously the next question is, who is the Drifter? Which that is that is the, you know, that's the million dollar question at the point. Uh, we we don't know. There are a lot of theories. Uh, some make sense. Some, you know, are definitely just spin foil. Uh, and then there's also the question of, excuse me. There's also the question of who is the renegade talking to? So he's talking to someone about the drifter because all these entries are titled a renegade's observations of a drifter. Um, and he is talking, so he's not talking to the drifter. He is talking to someone. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm actually kind of making the argument that the, the audience here is Lord Shaxx is actually not Mm. our guardian. Uh, and we'll get, again, we'll get into this a little bit as well when we go into it, but let me double, let me flip through this real quick because one of the entries is talking about, the price of a double-sided coin is <clears throat> uh, it starts off with explaining. So quote here, he says, quote, you have places cleared zones, not necessarily the safest spots, but not wholly untamed. I say, we, you allow the drifter to run his game and lets you and me watch. We watch the action. We watch him. We watch who plays and who doesn't. On top of that, we watch their aggression, who's diving too deep, too fast, who's less keen to grow their knowledge, their strength, and who's simply looking to unleash themselves. The true promise of this gambit is what you and I can learn about our enemies, maybe even about ourselves. That has to be first and foremost. 
After that, we assess Gambit's value and its risk. If the danger escalates, we shut it down. If any guardians go too far, we shut it down. And them, if need be. My gut says we won't have to. My gut says, against everything I was raised to believe, this is our next step forward. And here's the rub. You know this, but only fair that I reiterate. As secret as this whole mess is, and as vigilant as we'll need to be, word must spread. It must. And when it does, I need you to corral Zavala and any others who don't understand. Because the other side of that jade coin is the trap being set. This long con. Mm -hmm. The final bend after a long haul. If Drifter plays his part, and I believe he will, then those who test the edges of the light will hear tell and come a-calling. The shadows brought to light. So, and that's the end. And I'm going to end the quote there, uh, which is, it's honestly nearly the entire entry. But anyways, that's that's more my idea that, you know, he's talking about uh, the, the audience that he's talking to has the cleared zones, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he also goes on in, I believe... Sorry, I believe it is a matter of trust. He is speaking to the audience. Oh, no, checking the chamber. My apologies. Checking the chamber. He introduces the idea that he's, he calls them your jacks. He says, your jacks sure can clear a table. Combat area is clean. We're prepped and ready, re- set for the first run on Nessus. He refers to the audience having guardians. He says, the drifter will pick up your guardians in route, have your jacks primed to engage if and when it all goes wrong. Um, so again, I, I kind of am seeing this audience member as being inside. Uh, I, I see it being shacks. I kind of argue that yeah. he, this is, this is, I view this as Shin coming to shacks with this idea of basically using the drifter to capture the shadows is kind of how I read this whole thing. Oh, cool. Okay, sorry. Dino just sent the order that he has. All right, yep, his 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 order is the same as the order that is on Ishtar. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I um, I have a feeling that they're pulling straight from the API, and that's the yeah. That's I'm assuming that in. the ID the the oh. uh, API uh, item ID is probably playing into that a bit as well. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. If it uh, if that's the case, that at least makes it easier for us to reference later books than two. But right. yeah, that uh, that'll make it easier for looking over. That's good. Uh, that's also, really good. yes, uh, Malfiance, the Malfiance, Malfiance. I don't even care. The quest that gives you the big gun that everyone wants is uh, giving us details that aren't in the lore book, uh, and this is a callback to the Ancient Apocalypse. Uh, armor uh for one drifter believes that he's the last of his crew now that callum is dead and uh shin's golden gun apparently is is very unique which you know here here's a here's a small little uh random tangent here on shin um i would encourage people to go and look up the ghost stories uh the lore book ghost stories it's confession of hope part one and part two I want to know what you guys think because I read that and I can't help but read that as an explanation of how Shin got created. Part one, part two for what again? I'm sorry. Part uh, a confession of hope uh, in the oh, ghost stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an unknown ghost who resurrects a young child and then gives it to right. another group of humans to raise, which I'm sorry, explains Shin's 
abilities and the problem that we've had with Shin, it explains mm-hmm. nearly everything. If that is, if that child is Shin, and they're running right. from Fallen, and the the call back, the call out line, or the throwaway line from the Dwindler's Ridge saga about Shin's memory of the light kind of glimmering. Yeah, I, I mean, like I can't. I could. I read that. I was re. I was rereading all the the ghost stories uh, today to kind of get a. There's a lot of little tidbits in there, by the way, that are really good. Yeah, um, but those two especially, like I read that a while back, and I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." And then I read them again today, and I was like, "Oh, this is this just I just I can't shake that that is explanation. That's that's the explanation that Bungie's giving us for Shin." And how mm-hmm. how he has the abilities that he has, even though he's a child. Right. Well, the other thing that uh, I've apparently heard from this quest is that we actually hear Shin's voice as well. So this quest is an extremely important one to uh, govern and push to try to get done. Right, and it it also pushes forward the story of the Shadows. Which right. goes back which to is, the connection of the story of Yor. Yeah, which is what we were asking for for how long here? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I'm um, totally okay with that. Yeah, and I am totally, totally fine with that. And so to kind of bring it back into the Drifter's Gambit, um, mm-hmm. the Renegade is presenting again. You know, my 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 interpretation of this, and I'm completely open for other people's interpretation. I, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. But my interpretation is that the Renegade, who is Shen, is presenting this as a way of capturing those guardians who are kind of causing problems, if you will, um, to Shax, who is going by using the Drifter to kind of bait them and tease them into the into the light. Uh, and so this is basically, you know, it's a presentation of sorts. It's it's him being like, this is my idea and this is why, even though this sounds like a terrible idea, it is a terrible idea, but this is also like the only option we really have if we really want to shut these things, if we really want to shut these guys down. Um, and so you kind of get that, you get this idea of, of this whole presentation starting with the uneasy feeling, you know, he starts, he starts by saying, I followed him. You know, I've tracked him, you know, and he, he's not like them, uh, speaking about the shadows. Uh, he, do, he does say, you know, like, there are shadows in his past, and, you know, you know, and then he's kind of being like, we don't really know what's going on. Um, we do kind of see that uh, the Drifter is a anomaly as far as Guardians are concerned. He He doesn't really hold to anything just yet. Uh, this kind of goes in, it goes on in justified means. He says the drifter wasn't always his target. Um, and the fact is, is that the drifter actually only came to his attention when he hooked up with the shadows. Uh, and this is where you kind of can cross-reference the warlock armor with this, with these entries. <clears throat> and he explains the drifter as, quote, the strange light bearer who journeyed beyond the system's edge, the lone wanderer who was only a, air quote, guardian by reductive modern definitions. He had a ghost. He was touched by the light. His motivations, though, were his own. Some might say selfish, and I'd have to agree. In regards to the concept of duty and devotion and using one gifts for the betterment of humanity, not his play. The city be d- the traveler be d- 
the light be which makes his run to the tower and his newfound benevolence all the more curious, end quote. So, uh, and then this is also where we get a confirmation of the timing of this whole conversation, because this is where we get mention of Gaul, uh, the severance of light, you know, the whole Red War situation. And Mm -hmm. so this is also putting back into... Uh, back into the conversation, you know, it's kind of confirming, okay, this is actually happening right now. Um, You know, just in case anyone was doubting that. Uh, And then this is also where you get the, the explanation that uh, the drifter will be quote, a necessary catalyst. And if not, he makes, he sure makes for a fine cut of bait, which is, I love that line. (laughs) Just, I'm, I'm like, this is like the best again, you know, the other reason I really argue that the the renegade is Shin is just the attitude that is being like I I can't help but read this as having that Western like twang attitude of like this is the the lone gunman hunting down the the evil posse right all right so let's so that gets that brings us up into step into the shade where we get uh we kind of get more. Like for for it really points to the patience and the uh, perceptiveness of the renegade. This this is where it starts really kind of making the sense that he is actually stalking and hunting these things, these people, um, because the step into the shade is really kind of where he he describes what the drifter has been doing in the past and like the setup uh Mm -hmm. for gambit um and he also almost makes a defense for the idea of what the drifter is kind of presenting um and then so he kind of says you know uh the he he doesn't see any way other any other way forward he, he describes the light as fragile but quick. The dark is dense and slow. And if we want to control the balance, tip it in our favor, uh, we must play in the gray in between. And so he's talking about the shadows. He's talking about he wants to confront those shadows who would see it shift further towards the night. Uh, and so again, you know, this kind of plays into the interpretation of the renegade being Shin. Uh, because we know from... Uh, the last word ghost ghost fragment last word five i want to say that um shin has pretty much pledged to eradicating the ghost or sorry not the ghost the shadows because his ghost is kind of pushing him to do that as well um let's see um and then, yeah, and then uh, the Renegade also calls into point that the Vanguard is uh, is flawed and frightened. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's like, they're noble, but they're flawed. And uh, mo- while most Guardians won't dare it, wouldn't dare it uh, because of the loss of legends of heroes, such as, you know, Rezel, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, he says, but the things, but things have changed. And this kind of calls back into the other, the other kind of theme of Forsaken is there are basically proxy alarms going off that we might be tripping as guardians, as the guardian. Uh, we see this pres- presented in the Forsaken Prince uh, lore book in which 
<clears throat> excuse me, uh, in which he or Aldrin makes the comment about the black heart being a, uh, a bait for something that's monitoring the traveler for its, uh, revival. And so mm-hmm. like by us killing the black heart, we set off that alarm signaling to whatever that the traveler had achieved a certain point in its rehabilitation. Um, and so that's another point that the renegades making here. Uh, he's like, you know, quote, the orc slayers and their like have danced within ascendant realms. The nightmare legends of bone walkers and nether worlds have been cast into the light. Old fears are now trampled beneath enduring triumph. Now, if ever is the time to step proud into the unknown and bathe it in our light. Um, and then, you know, he goes on to say, you know, or maybe the drifter pulls a double cross and our end is met. You know, no way of knowing, no way to tell. And he says, you know, trust ourselves, trust our instinct, our light. So that brings us to artifacts and old friends. So this is an explanation here, just a real summary real quick of the renegade and the drifter meeting for the first kind of the first time. Uh, the fun thing about this particular entry is that we get a lot of breadcrumbs (laughs) about things that I am so curious about. Uh, So to run through the list of things that we get mentioned here that don't get any explanation and drive me up a wall. First, the core mines of Saturn, the Luvial Crux, the shift chasms below Elias, the fourth tomb of Nezarak, the Idols of Lower Soul, the Treasure of Exodus Prime, the Solar Engine of Dead Star Six. Uh, this is also where we get the idea that he's a hoarder of relics. Um, so he's <laughs> the Renegade says, "Quote: I think he's making most of it up, but he's got relics and etchings. He's got materials not of this system: odd metals, obsidian flames." thought engines, edible null cakes, and a stuffed something that looks like a rabbit biofuse with a cephalopod. He keeps all this stuff to himself. His gits, he calls them, end quote. Which also kind of goes back to one of my kind of personal theories that the drifter is pahanin, but... (laughs) I got a counter to that, but yeah. Right, yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's just one of those, like, weird, like, it's like, what, like, really... A rabbit with the cephalopod? What? Why? Yeah, really. why, do, why do? Why do we have this? <laughs> right. <laughs> and this is also where we get the explanation, or well, a explanation maybe of what his ship. Ironically, the qualifier that he uses is maybe. It says uh, he calls it an artifact, but it's more than that. Just don't know what exactly. He said he got. He said he got far out as he's ever been said it was from a place cold enough to snuff out your light. I asked him, was it Vex, Hive, Cagey is all? He says, no, it was just other, and it was powerful. Maybe. That was his qualifier. Maybe. Why the hell bring it to the inner system, then? Maybe's are trouble. <laughs> He's got an answer for everything. He says, brother, maybes are where the real treasure hides. Um, which, I, I love that. And this is also a call-out to again the warlock armor um a lot of people are connecting this artifact that he's dragging to the monolith that is described in the warlock armor and the interesting thing about the 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 description in the warlock armor is that they actually encountered a proto hive being 
that was able to snuff out light. Mm-hmm. Um, the the best explanation that I can think of is the uh, Yaslana from Star Wars and their mm. force negating abilities, which makes right. me hopeful. Which makes me hopeful that we'll get Thrawn. But anyways. <clears throat> And this is when you get the drifter deflecting the the questions that the renegade is having by uh, casually dropping the name Callum. And so uh, this is something that, you know, we find that the renegade has been hunting Callum for a while at this point. Uh, And so we in this 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 is what brings us to the next entry, which is Shadow on a Wall Uh, and Shadow on the Wall basically introduces or starts with. At the statement, I knew Callum by another name, a hated name. So there's a interesting connection there. Uh, the drifter had run with Callum's crew for some time. I get the sense that he would have been one and the same as them, lockstep down Sorrow's Road, if they had met sooner. He said, maybe they were lockstep, maybe his gambit was theirs. And so this is where the, the renegade kind of says, you know, well, maybe this this trap that we're setting is a trap that was set for us. So like, you know, the double, double, double cross. Um, and so this is where basically the drifter turn like betrays Callum and gives the renegade uh, the location of where Callum is holed up. Now. This is also where you learn a little bit more about the sh- the, the shadows that were that were running with Callum. Uh, he said that the uh, drifter, the drifter had explained, you know, basically the the crew had split up in order to keep the renegade off their trail, uh, because mm. this way they could, you know, you know, spread out and cause chaos and multiple different things, which would give them conflicting stories and all this stuff. And also, it would it would slow him down because they said that you know each, but you know they have. One to one, they'd have a hard time walking away. But if they are all together, while it would make them stronger and more likely to walk away from a fight with him, the uh, the the ability to track them would be much easier. Uh, so they they went with confusing their enemy instead of trying to force a fight. Uh, bum, and then this is where we get. The introduction of Callum is in the latter half of Shadow on a Wall. Uh, and I'm going to just read this real quick. <clears throat> says, Callum entered. Could hear him before I saw him. He was arguing with his ghost. I waited on the hope they'd spill goods I could use to track the others. No such luck. Their words were heated. Callum had gone too far. His ghost was angry. I don't blame her. It caught me that she always used his proper name, Callum, and not his other. She still cared, still hoped. Then she screamed. I drew and stepped into the light. Callum had his ghost in his left hand. It was silent. With his right, he had stabbed her through the optics with a sickly dagger. A tool carved from the jagged spikes fired from a weapon I shall not name. The ghost was dead, and Callum just laughed. I think because he knew what came next. He and I had words told me I'd never kill them all. Then he dropped the shell and went for his shooter. I lit my fire and painted him on the wall without another word. Uh, end quote. Uh, which is... I, I really, you know, I again, I really like the 
the emotions that are able to be mm-hmm. captured in here. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and so Callum, Callum is dead, you know, again, according to this story, he's been uh, shot with a golden gun. And I believe in the quest, there is actually a shadow on the wall. Yes. Okay. Dino is confirming. There is a shadow on the wall. Um, so I, I kind of get the picture of a um, uh, the nuclear blast, you know, from Hiroshima or uh, Nagasaki with the people having the shadows on the wall. Oh, and there is a dead ghost on the floor. <clears throat> so sad, sad day. We don't ever, I don't think we ever learn the name of the ghost that I can remember, but uh, Callum, Callum has been, has been shotted. Oh, Dino just gave us a huge, uh, give us a quote from the quest real quick. Uh, there is a, Last words of the fight. The mm-hmm. words are from, and this is from the quest, I believe, is the renegade. So the first line is the renegade. He says, I gave you a chance, gave all of you a chance. I told you not to follow him. Callum's response is, you and I are the same. Sometimes we do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Renegade, so, spoken, spoken like a true disciple. If you have any last words, now's the time. Callum, you'll never kill us all. And then the renegade says, I don't have, I don't have to, you're killing yourselves. And that's when I'm assuming the bang, bang happened. So yes. So yeah, it's the, and that's where uh, Dino had mentioned that earlier in chat, um, that the quest kind of gave us a little bit more detail on some pieces of the, the story here than what was in the Lauren tree. And so Dino, thank you, uh, Thank you for that. That that actually is really, really good information. Um, really appreciate that. Oh, and apparently the line ends with three golden gun shots. <laughs> so, yes, it actually was bang, bang, bang. Like, <laughs> um, oh, man. And this actually, that's so that's the end of Shadow on a Wall. And this brings us to the bright side of a bad idea. Which is basically uh, the renegade kind of coming back and saying, you know, at this point, the drifter uh, had basically kind of as much as possible won the renegade's trust, but he wouldn't say trust. He made him comfortable with the idea of him. (laughs) And uh, And so the renegade's kind of like, you know, talking about this is before he came to Again, I, I get the feeling that he's talking to Lord Shax. Um, and he says, this is before I came to you, but only just. This is me smoothing out the rough angles before risking a proposition I know carries baggage. Anyway, he and I went out, found a spot we could be alone, and he showed me. He showed me proof that all of his relics, artifacts, treasures, and junk weren't just for show. Our shady friend actually went out and lassoed himself a little piece of while guardians have been waging war with the Taken, while the city's newest legends have been trespassing on Ascendant Ground and kicking in Taken skulls, the Drifters have been playing Warlock, which he ain't if it wasn't clear, not by common understanding anyway. In drawing strength from curiosity and using knowledge to bend understanding to his will, this wily has long since shed any, pre- any pretensions of class or the limitations therein. While you lot have been having your fun, drunk on loot, dancing on the corpses of your enemies, he's been watching, learning, stealing, and planning. 
Now, I make no promises to that what he's done was ever intended for the greater good. Point of fact, I actively doubt it. But here we are. He's kit-bashed Vex tech with fallen components, married it to Hive logic, and scavenged Golden Age science with a sprinkling of who knows what. And he's... Hold up. I know this sounds bad. Sounds like just, like just the kind of trouble we squish. But he's secured a pocket of the Ascendant Plane. Not a throne world, nothing that grand, but a big enough chunk to matter. And he's gone and caged an army. A taken army. Leftovers from Oryx reign. Something new, something old, something hers. Can't say. Don't know, but he has them there. He says it's to hold them, study them. But the best bet says his intentions aren't so clean. Purity of intent aside, this is what he wanted to show me. This is why he's here, his gambit. He wants to help humanity, help us poor fools who call ourselves guardians, learn how to control not only the taken, but the powers that bind them. Sounds like a bad idea. I agree. Bigger picture? Sometimes bad ideas are the best option. Sometimes they're the only. End quote. Oh, man. So there's a bit to unpack there. Uh, first question, and chat's already kind of jumping on this one. Um, who is her? You know, who, who is this? So he, he says, you know, leftovers from Orcs reign, something new, something old, something hers. I don't know. Beard. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Mm. I mean, I, let me rephrase I mean, that. Let me rephrase that. Do you have any solid theories on that one? <laughs> no, not really because leftovers from more rain can be quite a bit of things. Uh, and if it is Oryx specifically, then that also brings up plenty of other questions besides, because if it's, if it's from Oryx and not from one of the sisters, that's how I should kind of span this, uh, then it could be something related to Crota, it could be a son of not. it could be another son, it could be Nocris for all we know, uh, it could be from what Zol had, it could be the worms in general. Uh, at least initial impressions from just hearing that, that's that's way too... Uh, it, it's way too open, I guess. That's the, the only thing on that angle. Yeah, and, and to real quick to interject, to be clear also, since this is a podcast, the hers yeah. that we're talking about is capitalized. Right. So it's not just like, a oh, it's a random person they know. It's someone specific, uh, which mm-hmm. is where the the debate kind of comes in. So sorry to go, go on there, beard. No, you're good. I, I don't have much else I can really add on that end. Uh, it's it, per usual with Bungie. There's a lot of things that are, that are op- uh, open at the moment to interpretation, but uh, I am, I'm anxious to see where they, they lead it. Obviously I just don't have much else that I can really add in with it. Unfortunately. That brings us to the price of a double-sided coin. And this is where really, to, in my mind, this kind of confirms that he is presenting this to Shax. Uh, so we kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, this is where he's talking to the the audience that he's talking to. He specifically calls out, you know, these zones, uh, which are basically, they sound like they're crucible arenas. Um mm-hmm. And then he concludes this one. So I've, I've already kind of talked about this one, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, he concludes this one by saying, you can stop this here and now. I'll put a bullet in him. Be done with it. Just say the word. So, I mean, he's 
I mean, he's putting this kind of firmly in Shaxx's court, if this is Shaxx, um, as far as like, you know, if you want me to, if you want me to pull the cord, all you have to do is say boo and I'll, sh- you know, I'll, I'll put it down. Um, which actually I really, I, I, not to, not to stress that, but that really points to something within the renegades view of this whole thing that I think is a clear separation here than, um, uh, the drifter or any of the shadows, you know, not, not to, to kind of further distinguish between the two here, the renegade. And that kind of goes back to the last words that Dino gave us, you know, um, the renegade is getting called out. You know, sometimes we do the wrong thing for the right reasons. And that's mm-hmm. true. Like the renegade definitely is more of a vigilante figure. So is Shin. But the difference is, is that the renegade right there, I think that kind of highlights the difference between a renegade or between the renegade and the drifter and the shadows. He recognizes what he is doing is, you know, a bad idea. And he's deferring to someone who is. You know, whether whether that deference is because of seniority but or because he recognizes the individual that he's deferring to as being um, more securely on the side of the light, uh, whatever it is, he is he is quite honestly saying, you know, hey, I'm using you to to uh, condition my choice like I'm running this by you, not just because I need your help, but also to make sure that this doesn't, you know, that I'm not slipping into the darkness. I'm not becoming the monsters that I'm hunting is kind of how I, I read that. Um, and I think that's a really, for me, for me, that is really kind of a important piece of the renegade that I don't know. Um, I haven't seen a lot of discussion around just yet, uh, but I think that's yeah. that's a really big uh, distinction between what makes him not evil, even though he deals kind of in the gray. Uh, he's not he's not dealing in the shadow like the others are. Um, so that brings us to checking the chamber again. This is where we get a reference to your your red jacks. Uh, and this is where we get the, so this is the introduction and we get the idea. Okay. So shacks or whoever has agreed, we're going to go ahead and we're going to try this, this out. He says, you know, the drifter will pick up your guardians in route, have your jacks primed to engage if, when it all goes wrong. So, you know, they're, they're hiding in the eaves ready to, to close in and shut it down. He says, after, after, if it runs smooth and we're not all dead, he says he'll set up shop in the tower. Seems risky, yeah, but that's his lot to handle. Truth is, I'd much rather have him tower side where he can be watched and collected if it comes to that. The alternative, him running free and clear through the system, isn't an option. He's too much of a liability on his own. Luckily, he seems open to having you nearby. Which, actually, now that I think about that, there's another confirmation here, too, because one of his idle lines is is complaining that he can't go anywhere without hearing the one-horned blankety-blank shouting. <laughs> he complains apparently a lot about shacks. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we also kind of get the sense that, you know, Drifter is also, in his own way, setting up a bigger picture. Like, 
there's something going on with him that he's also kind of playing everybody like in the same capacity that the renegade is playing him to bait out the shadows. Uh, the drifter is playing the guardians to either build up something to face down something bigger or baiting, you know, you know, kind of his own thing. Um, and that brings us to a matter of trust, which is the second to last entry. And this is this one takes place after what would pro- was probably the like initial uh, gambit run, and this is this is the Renegade's response to the primeval. Um, he says, you know, quote, "Well, that didn't go as planned, but your guardians rallied and saw it through, and the Drifter did his best to fill them in on the sudden change state he dropped on them." I was seconds from rushing in and rushing in and toasting him, but he handled the situation and set the teams up to finish the match. To be honest, I thought it would all go much worse. What concerns me is he never mentioned the word primeval before, not once, and that's a problem for obvious reasons. Tearing soldiers of the deep from another realm is crossing a bridge too far as it is, but those beasts? Those weren't normal taken, possessed, and set to rage. They were born of that shadow realm, and they were angry. Worse, they were hungry for the light. You could feel it, even a ways off. Their aura and their rage weighed on me, cast a shadow I could feel in my core. That he kept them from us is unsettling. He says it was a necessary deception. I put my gun to his head and asked if there were any others he'd mind sharing. He just laughed as he does, twiddling that coin of his, and smiled that winter's smile. Told me to take a load off. I almost shot him then and there. He said that we never had agreed to let him run his competition if we'd known the full extent of the danger. He's not wrong, probably, but it's hard to move forward knowing the thing we've known all along is true. The drifter can't be trusted. Uh, and then, so then blah, blah, blah. Uh, he ends with, I'll leave it in your capable hands. I'll be watching. My presence only muddies the water, so I'll be watching from afar. If we're lucky, this gambit will draw the interest of the rest of his old crew, and the shadows will make themselves known. Till then, I'll return to the hunt, see if I can cut him off at the pass, wherever it may be. Oh, and before I forget, at the risk of repeating myself, keep my real name off your lips. He don't know my face, but he sure as knows my name. This all goes sideways otherwise. Uh, So this is kind of like a a last word to uh, Shaxx, the audience. And then finally, the long con. And this is kind of... um, I kind of want to say this is just kind of like the ramblings of an epilogue-esque, because this isn't really uh, to anybody in particular. But it's basically the renegade saying, you know, kind of talking to himself. And I'm just going to read it, because there's really no way to summarize this and do it justice. So this is the long con. He says, can you do it, Drifter? Can you make the man with the golden gun the villain in the eyes of those who attempt the dark? It's the final piece. Can you make them fear him? Because if you can, any guardian who truly embraces the nature of your gambit will find themselves a real connection to the mantle of that dead legend. They will take bare that that vile title. They will wear his vile colors. They will challenge and even remake the infamy of his vile deeds. Through these temptations, they will grow strong, but the hatred must be true. Driven by the power they find in your wicked game, sealed in the fear you'll seed in the name of the man with the golden gun. I wish there was another way, but your old brothers and sisters in shadow are too far gone. You've seen it. You know as well as me, better than me, 
the path they walk offers only ruin. They must be stopped. So spread your unholy word, brother. Give new life to old myths. And when that hateful name Dredgen spreads throughout the system, his real disciples will have no choice but to confront their sins. And you and me? will be the ones hearing their confessions. Oh, and one more thing. Let me know who has the gall to change their names. I might want to give them a word or two. I love it. I love it. So yes, that is a drifter's gambit. Summary form. I mean, I guess I guess this is also a good point to kind of bring in um the conversation about the ancient apocalypse armor. Um r- I don't know if you have anything you want to talk about before we jump over there real quick. Not really. I think that's a fair spot, honestly, because the just the way that, uh, you know, the drifter kind of runs and and acts and is uh, that's that speaks a lot to his character uh, to begin with or why it is that he's doing what he is. Um, Additionally, I think the other main thing that I kind of want to point out, of course, is that there is a lot that is said, but there's also not that much that is said. Uh, It is still a lot of information that's like really out there and kind of not exactly known. Uh, So we can speculate all that we kind of need to or want to talk about, but that's the, that's kind of the issue. This, this kind of feels like the game that they were, or the stories that they were trying to tell in the beginning of, uh, D2 and with Forsaken it just kind of really picks into where it is they want to go right and I, I so kind of before we jump into the armor too you know um, what are your thoughts on the jade coin that he holds I know like within feng shui and you know a lot of uh, what is it Chinese um, uh, philosophy I think maybe would be the best word uh, or because yeah. it's not really theology but but a lot of their their mode of assigning symbolism to uh or significance to different elements jade is seen as kind of a um uh a manifestation of good luck and prosperity uh so you see a lot of like the jade frog for instance is very you know the money frog or or i guess money toad i think is what's called um yeah technically uh, and that's the one that's the the little jade frog that you usually see it carved and it has like a coin in its mouth um yeah dancing dancing in chat jade coin jade rabbit squid <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of all over the place it's, but i guess um uh, you know he flips so you see a lot of his decisions are based on the flip of coin kind of like you know two-face yeah. Um, you kind of get that feeling. And, and then there was also the idea of the gambit, you know, he's always talking about the, the banking of moats, the worth of, you know, paying off people. He's always calling in bribes. That's where, you know, to kind of segue into the armor sets. This is what we see within the Titan armor sets. He not only, um, he not only kind of bribes Reddix and Joxer, uh, Joxer, by the way, is also mentioned earlier in the great Ahamkara hunt, uh, part of uh, the plate of the great hunt. He is the, he is the individual who was assigned the task of acquiring weapons from the Tekian Ilian 
for the Vanguard to hunt down the Ahamkara. So that's that's the interesting connection there for Joxer. Redrix, obviously, that name is uh, either hated or loved, depending on where you fall within that particular quest from Season 3. Uh, Redix also has one of the best Morin trees in in the in what was that in Warmind, where he he receives he's at the receiving end of lord shack's fist uh and his ghost has a bit of trouble getting him back but basically he bribes reddix and joxer to look the other way when he steals all the text mechanica but the other thing that happens in the titan armor in the helm he actually is in a a jump ship with another titan who he has bribed to get him to the train. So he he is not above, you know, using his his connections of uh, debt to get get things that he wants. Um, kind of going back into the whole, you know, gambling underworld type situation. Uh, but but the other thing is like the presentation of Gambit has always been with this like shower of these jade coins, right? You know this, you know it's it's often seen like in a casino royale type situation. Um, yeah, Z in chat is jade is also to believe to ward off evil. Uh, in China, it's considered the stone of heaven. Um, which I I guess I'm curious too because he flips the coin in Gambit to determine who you're going to fight, but he it's a two sided coin, but he has four choices. Which I'm also trying to figure out if uh, he has that many possibilities at his disposal because he's. He's also seen as playing with a few of them. The the one that I uh, quoted at the top of the show, actually, the the line of, "All right, Mavericks, let's see who you're fighting today." Oh, you think he has different, like a different set of coins, basically? Yeah. Yeah, he has like three or four different sets that it seems like he's uh, able to call on. Okay, and that makes more sense. I was like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, is he like sleight of handing his way through this entire thing? Which I also would not be surprised. It seems like he has about four uh, four in total, uh, but I could be wrong on that as an overall. Uh, but at least from what I have seen, it looks like four is the uh, the magic number for him. Which also would make sense because that would give him one of each and also allow the Taken to always be an option. Right. So yeah, and that, that's kind of uh, dancing Varu in chat right now says that it doesn't he it also implies that he doesn't prioritize any of the typical enemies except the taken at least that's how i interpret his decision making via coin flip right well okay. the taken seemed to be his his ultimate goal anyway right uh whatever seems to be behind you know their ultimate power energy source that they're basically feeding him well and i mean that's a that's actually a really good point too um you know that power source uh, so we we used to have motes of light, but that's yep. not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with motes of no. darkness, right? Uh, and so, what are what are your thoughts there? Do we do we have any explanation uh, outside of this that deal with the motes of darkness? Nothing that I can think of as a whole. Um, Nothing that I have been able to think of as a whole, because they're definitely kind of the. As soon as I had read the the entry that dealt with those, I was trying to figure out like a way to compare, uh, compare, combine them, whatever. Uh, I, outside of it just being like, well, the light can do it, so the dark can too. I don't see like a lot of extra contract uh, 
contradicting elements that kind of uh, deal with it. Like you can make the dark as much as you can the light. I think it's just interesting enough, though, to to take the fact that the uh, the darkness the darkness mode seemed to be uh, tangled in with the taken as being like they're they're the pure entity or close to pure entity of the darkness is what we're kind of getting at the moment. Yeah. And the other thing too is, you know, in the same, so this is just kind of a thought process here, but in the same yeah, way that we totally stream of consciousness yeah, I think at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the same way that we see the, so like originally for those who might not have been players in like early D one motes of light were, um, an early form of economy basically that we used with the speaker the speaker collected the motes of light i think yeah. Zer, i think there was a period where Zer was collecting them if i remember yes. but that was like really early and that was really only for a very brief moment um yep. mostly it was with the speaker uh and and basically the way that you got it was through you know ex- like through killing your enemy so you you love you're like you i think if it was was it you leveled up and you got a moat or yeah, I can't remember exactly one, how. And then the economy changed, and you got five. But it was a, it was your collection of light, basically. That's how you ended up getting a hold of them. Right, but, and uh, so, but the emphasis here is that you had to, you had. Oh yes, Doom for Zombie uh, and Eva collected modes of light too. Um, yeah. but the 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 concept here was that you had to create them. These were these were created items from your activity, um, and so my point here is that those were created by the light. Um, yep. The motes of darkness are also created by you killing enemies in the Gambit game. Thank you, Dancing. Got grab the Grimoire card for me. Uh, he it says, but he happily accepts these motes, points of light willed into being by an exercise of a mighty guardian's power. Some say they will one day become the souls of new ghosts. Others believe they feel feed the intricate machinery that the speaker tends, which is the orrery that was in the old tower. Um, so, but my my emphasis here is that points of light willed into being by an exercise of a mighty guardian's power. Okay, that's the mode of light. A mode of darkness, if you, you know, going back to, I don't know, who was that character who talks about symmetry and equal equalization? Uh, Ulantan. Um, if you look at it in the same concept, a mode of darkness is also something that's willed into being by an, a by the power of the Guardians. But the thing is, is that when you bank those motes, you're actually you're actually giving them to the Drifter. Right, they're not. They're not actually being used at the time. They are being collected by him. Yep. So think about that. He is running Gambit. He's basically investing time to guardians who can generate more motes of darkness than he could by himself, and he's getting a, a what's called a return on investment of significant proportions. Because every Gambit match, if you are able to summon a primeval. You know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you got to do 75. We have in the lore where the Drifter can summon nine primevals with the use of one moat. So it's not a matter of he needs you. He needs 75 moats for one primeval. It's he's giving you a primeval to fight after you give him 
at least 75 moats. So his return of investment is at minimum 74 every match. And that's with just one side. If he has two sides, you know, double that. So what is he doing with the motes of darkness that he's collecting? Because that's a copious amount of motes of darkness. And again, he can, he's, he's demonstrated that he can summon a number of primevals with just one. Yeah. Yeah, Z Z is actually saying in chat what I'm what I'm kind of getting at. Gambit is a big pyramid scheme. Uh-huh. He he has he has got us all generating all these moats, and he is literally just walking away with the profits. Yep. Sorry, I just I'm like I'm like that that has been bugging me ever since I I started thinking about like what the moats really were, and if you look at the the way that we get moats. It is. It's by killing things inside Gambit. So, and if you kind of think about that, you know, extrapolate that even more, he's only one guardian, well, quote, or light bearer. He's only one light bearer. Yeah. But now he has upwards of, what is it, four versus four, eight guardians in a match yep. at any given time. Yep. I mean, the ROI on that is, and I, I, I'm very envious of his investment strategy. That's what I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that out loud because, geez, he really knows. He knows, <laughs> yeah. Trigger, Trigger is <laughs> saying in chat. He's like, that gets him 674 primeval taken. <laughs> Doom. This is why I keep my moats. <laughs> well. I do think it important to at least call out the compressed moat is the thing that it seems like he was uh, taking. Right, which is where, which is where, like, you kind of, like, where is that, how does that get created, right? I'm going to say those banks are the thing that seem like they're able to create them, but how is then the question, of course, yes. <laughs> now we're getting a call for, for reporting the drifter to the SEC. Uh, not wrong. Maybe the Better Business Bureau too. This uh, this tri- seems like a really Better Business Bureau. Like a, they there yeah, was false like advertising. A, they said Crucible, right. not Primevals. Right. <laughs> oh man. Um. Okay. So real quick, let's let's jump uh, over real quick to uh, the Warlock armor. Um. So. This armor, I think of the three sets of armor, this is the one that, to me, kind of holds the most significance. Uh, Like I said, the armor for the Titan... Excuse me. The armor for the Titan is really him kind of acquiring the equipment. Uh, The armor for the Hunter is him acquiring the location. And then the Warlock armor doesn't kind of... It's like, what is he... what, What is the point of this? Like, what is he acquiring here? Well, it almost seems like he's acquiring the artifact that's behind his ship. Um, yeah. So, Ancient Apocalypse Warlock. Uh, if we start with the hood, and then we're going to work our way down, uh, he basically goes through and he says, you know... Uh, uh, I'll just read it real quick because it's just easier easier to do this way. So the helm, he says, I had a crew once, my best friends, which isn't saying much. Trust me. They're all dead now, almost to a man. So what does that mean for all you little guardians running out there who are my new best friends? Don't think about that one too too hard. 
Anyway, my crew, or little subset of it, we leave the system together. Dawn of the city age at that time. We were looking for something greater than light, because we had seen that light can be the cause of so much strife. We searched far and wide, must have been hundreds of years. We found a planet beyond the system bristling with an energy that repulsed light. Naturally, we were curious. We landed, intended to settle and conduct the research necessary to make this energy portable. A weapon out of legend called Thorn had similar light-repressing capabilities. It seemed promising, but hand to my heart, it was cold. Humans were not meant for that place. Every once in a while, a member of the crew would succumb, died where they stood or sat. Thank the planes for our ghosts. We were in high spirits. We were, vet- we were veterans, grizzled. Hundreds of years in space will do that. Uh, which, gives, uh, which brings us to the robes. So there we were, on that cold hunk of ice with no name, just me and my crew. Everything peachy keen. We discovered some kind of alien monolith, a facility left by the inhabitants of that planet long gone by then. But trapped inside was a creature, in a cage of some sort, frozen in ice. An exhibit? Was it some kind of zoo? Still not sure to this day. We should have brought a scientist. All we had were, well, guys who thought we looked tough in dark colors. During our long stay on that planet, we found many of these, many of those monoliths, each with their own captured creature. Anyway, this thing, this the creature, looked like it shared con bioenergenetics with the hive. But there were no records then or since that I've seen any I've seen of of humanity's encounters with them. And the creature had a property of the hive that the hive did not have. It produced a field that repressed light, like a darkness zone, but contained to a gooey, vacuous form with no head. The anti-light fields we had detected from orbit that spread across the planet? It was these things. Our ship's scanners indicated thousands of them were on this planet with us. We were ecstatic. In hindsight, we all could have done with a few less of them. (laughs) So that brings us to the gloves. My crew and I quickly learned that the creatures in in the monolith facilities were not the only ones on that rock. Plenty of them roaming around out in the wild where it was cold, but less cold than the frozen cages that contained the ones in the monoliths. How do we find out? Well, one of us died in our sleep. Not that uncommon, or tragic actually, happened a lot. Cold out there. Except this time, that fellow's ghost couldn't resurrect him. Turns out one of those creatures just slithered by, and close close proximity to it from inside our shelter just silenced that poor light. It was unfortunate, but it also lit a fire under us. The next morning we realized we had a potential weapon in our hands that could change everything in the battles of light versus light. We knew we had to find a way to get these creatures off their icy home, and we needed to find it fast. Despite our breakthrough, tensions were a little high. Some of us thought it was awful convenient the creature wandered by and happened to take out only one of us. And so soon after, we realized the value of them. Uh, And that brings us to the boots. I mentioned tension was high among the crew in the last one, right? That's what I thought. Well, it got worse. Another one of us died. In the exact same way, even after we took up residence in one of the monoliths, Idiot just froze to death. His ghost too whacked out by light repression to do anything about it. Died in his sleep. The others were not happy about it. I was not happy about it. We had been looking for a way to contain the creatures. The monoliths seemed to have some kind of freeze tech, if you could call it technology, that we could use if only we could replicate it. I'm a pretty savvy mechanic, but we couldn't figure it out. We started to blame each other. Someone must have lured one of those things near crew quarters. To this day, I still don't know for sure. Why kill just one of us for what? 
It was more plausible that the creatures did it knowingly, a punishment for our intrusion. But there was no malice that we could detect, only biology. At the time, we didn't care. Eventually, one of them drew a gun. I knew it would happen, and I had prepared a soothing speech to smooth things over just in case. I told him to holster that smoke wagon, and the next time any one of them tried it again, I'd kill them all without a second thought. I didn't speak plainly often, but when I did, even that crew listened. And then finally, this is the bond. We were at our wit's end, a year on the planet, and we had been completely unable to capture or tame the creatures that had become our sole objective. They were our bane. Our ship had long been rendered useless by the extreme cold. We had all died a hundred thousand times over to the cold. I know you've all been in the crucible, played Gambit. This was worse. Much worse. Anyway, four of us were left. We were raving psychos at this point. Only the four of us in the howling wind and icy slopes for company. The occasional scurrying, vacuous creature to argue about. One day, when we had settled in for the night in another monolith, something swept over the planet. I later learned it swept across the system. All of y'all here in this felt it. You were there at the source. All four of us lost our light, and we knew it. We looked over at the monolith creature in its frozen cage. It seemed to stare right back. I think I mentioned we're all raving psychos at this point. Well, we did what all measured raving psychos would do. We thought we had each been betrayed by the others. We drew on each other. To this day, I'm not sure how many of those guys drew intending to kill. But I'll tell you this. I was the only one who walked out. The creature in the mono- that monolith watched it all. When it was over, I stuck a finger straight up at it. It was just me now. How'd I get back? How'd I get from there to here? Maybe I'll get to tell that story someday. We'll see if my gambit makes it that far. Dun dun dun. Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> what do we want to talk about at first on that one? How Dead Space is in <laughs> Destiny. What? A monolith? That drives I people insane? About, I wasn't even talking about the monolith, to be honest. <laughs> or what? Sorry, what was the, what was the ice planet? Tra- Avalanche. Avalanche, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Talvalantis being the the freaking ice planet that it is and how it just carries over. I was like, um, so what you're telling me is is that Drifter is a corrupted Isaac Clark. Okay, gotcha. Perfectly fine. Uh, but actually, Drifter would have been part of like the the Earth uh, initial force that went out that way. I I remember you like reacting when you you react. You're like, really, <laughs> really. Yeah. Well, I actually had messaged uh, or I sent a tweet out to like Z and uh, Jill too. Yeah. And I had asked them like, who did this? Like, who who did this? And they were like, look, don't look at us. We weren't we weren't the ones to blame for this one. We uh we had nothing to do with it. So they we sent had nothing me to, the guy to do that with did. this. <laughs> and. They were like, "Is there something wrong?" I was like, "No, this is this is brilliant. This is awesome." Uh, so, if it was meant as a homage to uh, to Dead Space Three, which it reads that way, it very well could be. Uh, even if it isn't, it's uh, it's so close to it and pretty awesome that I am okay with it. Uh, but yeah, really, really well done little bits and pieces that they've done with it. I like it a lot. 
just as a like overall uh but like what it what it means for us though is kind of silly to think about just the amount of uh the amount of possibilities that exist with just like a monolith uh regardless in sci-fi is pretty open-ended because that can also mean a couple things like uh friggin' 2001 or or otherwise <laughs> could fit into that bill uh it could be like the beginnings of civilization and and how civilization got going uh it could be many 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 things uh but i am i am okay with what it kind of proves or what it kind of talks about uh but yeah just just good stuff overall like i i'm i'm still trying to digest a lot of this stuff because that's one reason like i've i'm i've been as quiet as i have been uh is because one i'm really not done with this and two uh, to digest a lot of the new lore we've been given has just been silly awesome. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like I said at the top of the show, it's like, or maybe it was before, mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was before the show, but um, reading back over the Ghost Stories uh, lore booklet, uh, or yeah, when I was talking about Shen, um, the connections there, uh, there's like, even <clears throat> even within the lore booklets themselves, there is a just plethora of connections even within themselves like even within yep. the entries within that that self-contained story that's being told there are a number of references that explain quite a bit um and then the instance that you realize that we have like i think what is it six six or seven of them and yeah. they all connect to each other uh you know one of the ghost stories talks about the ghost hunter uh cyril yeah. cyril cyril uh, well, yeah. another one uh, who the Micah 10 is who yeah. is, quote unquote, the den mother of un- unpartnered ghost, which I love about his character. But he point blank calls out the fact that if he meets Cyril, he's putting him down like right. like and it makes sense. Right. Because it because it, Micah's job is kind of like his un- his unspoken job is protector of unpartnered ghost. Um, and so like he protects the ghosts from other things. And so like the ghost hunter is listening, but then like Cyril, I think I want to say Cyril pops up in another, uh, book. Uh, Savin is another one. Savin is, you see Savin's resurrection in ghost stories. And then Savin also point comes up in the awoken of the reef lore book. Uh, Savin is the awoken guardian that is brought to Mara and introduces the entire guardian population to the Awoken of the Reef and right. how like their, their um, self-obsessed nature of, of gaining more power and like this unnat like this just natural tendency to do that. It actually turned her off of the guardians for a long while because she was like, you're just child or just, you're just children. Um, children. You don't understand what you're doing. Um, uh, yes, uh, there there are a lot of ghosts in, in, in the ghost stories entries. There are two or three entries which might be the history of our ghost. Uh, pulled pork is one of them. Pup is another one from the Micah entry. And then there's there's one other one that I can't remember the name of. Um, we also get confirmation from them of like the ghost spectral network which is the vanguards, basically the hidden network for ghosts, uh, which is really cool. Like the explanation for that is really cool. Uh, to come back to the drifter though, you know, we get 
again, a continuation of this really engaging story between Shin and the, the shadows in a roundabout way. Uh, and so it's just really cool there. The warlock armor, you know, presents again, a, an element of this is a, this is a individual who was raised before in the dark ages. He had seen, uh, the, the travesty of the warlords. Uh, you get, you actually got, uh, sorry to go back to the ghost stories. You get an entry of a ghost who you get a couple entries of ghosts who purposely did not resurrect their charges. They, they abandoned them. And one of them was a uh, ghost who abandoned their charge because he was a warlord. And she, the ghost, disagreed with what he was doing and he wouldn't listen to her. And so it was the story of her finally coming to the point of where, like, she was like, I'm done. I'm done, you know, furthering this this cycle of not what we were meant to do. Um, and, and that's kind of where, you know, the drifter, you kind of see his his reaction here, too. Um in the warlock armor because he says in the very first part he says you know they had seen that light can be the cause of so much strife and this is kind of this kind of is where i get the 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 tickling thought of the drifter being pahanin um because he's a tech savvy mechanic he has a weird obsession with cephalopods uh he's talking about the damage of light and how he has a personal he has a personal history and understanding of the nature of thorn as being able to steal light um you know there's a lot of little tidbits that make me kind of really kind of think that this is a po- it's a possibility uh, it would explain his obsession with trying to figure out how to use power of darkness because he doesn't have light necessarily because it was stolen by thorn um mm. But that all being said, you know, that you're sorry, go for it, Beard. But he was reviving himself on the planet. Right. And that's and that's where, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's without holes. Uh, yeah, um, it's that's the one thing that kind of just bugs me that it might be Pahanin. Uh, right. If yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. No, there's like there's a few there's taking, a few things. Yeah, there's well, a few things of the light does not mean that it was permanent. Right, like that's the Though only it other might, thing. It might be really maybe he was like maybe he was like wounded to the point where he couldn't. I don't know. There's there's a lot of ways that it yeah. doesn't negate it, but it does require some further explanation if that is the direction they take him. Like yeah. that piece of it, I hundred percent agree with it. There's a few others that I'm like, eh, you're gonna need to like. There needs to be an explanation regardless of what happens on like what his what his history is. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but. Regardless, one of the things that actually drove him out of the system—I mean, this—we're talking—he—he left the solar system because of what he saw as strife being caused by light, and and so and again he calls it out. He—they left at the dawn of the city age, um, and then in a in another, I think it was an—I think it's a quest, I a quest step. But it's it's called out that um, he basically he spent enough time to find a ship that was working and then left like he mm-hmm. basically got out as quickly as I as he could. But yeah. And so, again, they they see they see the travesty of the warlords and the strife that, you know, I'm assuming they're looking at, you know, the combat between uh, 
the warlords, the iron wolves, you know, the newly risen guardians, you know, all these people, all these forces that are basically demigods smashing into each other with the power of light. And I, I mean, to be fair, a group of them were kind of just like, we're done. We're not, we don't want to be part of this, uh, which is entirely understandable to a degree. And they left. And that was kind of, you know, and, and this kind of gets into the point where it also explains where his twisted views of what a guardians are kind of stems from is you know he left because he saw the travesty being permit or being performed in the name of the light and then he got trapped on an ice planet for a year where he went insane so you know there, there's kind of explanations here and there of that whole piece oh yes and he does mention Ephrodite, which is hilarious because apparently yeah. Ephrodite apparently Ephrodite ruined his bar screwed up his bar <laughs> which <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm all right with that. <laughs> I just love the fact a that he had a bar, and b that his involvement with Ephrodite was she screwed up my bar, it ruined my bar. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, there's a few pieces there. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's really kind of a good summary introduction to Drifter. Uh, I know that this is we're pushing about an hour. What is it, an hour? Forty five minutes of that. So, I mean, I understand summary is a loose term, but there really is a lot of of uh, webbed out connections uh, within the new lore with Forsaken. And this is just, you know, one of many pieces uh, so again, good. I think this was a good summary introduction for for the for the content for tonight. Um, so real quick, we do have a dispatch for this week. So dispatches received from the wilds. All right, this is actually a follow up for the one that we got um, last week talking about the dog and the the costume uh and so he's uh jh uh is talking you know for his costume for the helmet he's going to do the one-eyed mask which which he doesn't have in game um and so that leads to his question do you guys have exotics and if so how (laughs) so beard (laughs) do you have do you have you gotten any of the new exotics and how the new exotics no uh i have none of the new stuff uh aside from like anything that i could quest for uh that's the only thing that i'm able to uh to have at the moment uh i have gotten a couple of things uh i got uh, i have another world uh and the prospector but that was really it uh i have not gotten much in the way of exotics right now they've actually made uh part of the the TWAB this week actually was about exotics and how they don't want to really change them that much in terms of how you receive them or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, I think the only the only new, like, quote-unquote new exotic that I got was the other day I got the Skyburner, Skyburner's Oath. But that, you never I mean, had it before. Yeah, I, I hadn't had it before, but that's the only reason I gotcha. call it a new one is because I, I finally got it. Um, I was going to say. That's not that's not a Forsaken one. Um, no. 
I honestly, I've been so in love with legendaries. I'm not even running exotic weapons at the at this point. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, this this kind of made a turn in terms of like how we can uh, receive our gear or how I how I play with weapons at this point because a lot of the gear I like is still legendary, mm-hmm. uh, with exception, of course, towards like uh, Ace of Spades and a couple others, of course. But that's uh, to be expected. Yeah, um, and like armor wise. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. On armor wise, I still run with Orpheus. Like Orpheus rigs are, are my are. I I have yet to take those off, just simply because even with all the tweaks and nerfs and whatnot, I still just love the the abilities that they grant, and for, it fits really nicely into my playstyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the entries on the new exotic armor are. Uh, some of them are really heartbreaking. Uh, the one-eyed yeah. mask actually is really sad. Um, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, and then there was um, oh, what, there was another one that was. Can you remember any bits of it? Because I did read them at least. Uh, it was the oh, it's the bear. It's the it's the one. Oh, oh the the Ursa. Ursa, Ursa, yes. Yeah, Ursa Furiosa. Ursa Furiosa, yeah. Is uh that one's not so much yeah, I mean it's basically bare arms. I mean I I'll I'll I'm be gonna honest. Say it's it's the literally thing that everybody's telling me I need to make a Titan for. Oh I, I, I mean it's literally if you look at the picture, they are literally Wolverine bare arms, is yeah. what I call them. But the entry is um oh my god, it's just it's it's one of those entries where you see uh a guardian being like a guardian like they they are putting aside all things and and guarding regular people um at the cost at the cost of everything and so this is like this is another one of the um i believe this is actually during the red war i want to say i can't remember though it might not be or might i think it it was before it might have been before and they just got separated yeah. Um, from well, her uh, the the Titan in question in this one I think is Bjorna three, uh, yeah. and it's talking about how she was protecting a group of citizens or survivors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean it's just it's one of the it's just a really powerful read. It's a, it's a, one of the longer ones too, and it's a really it's just really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that one and One Eyed Mask both are are just amazing. Uh, the ghost story entries. Uh, there's uh. There's a ghost story entry that I believe is called. Um, uh, it's not Heroes Requiem. It is uh, Who Guards the Guardians is an excellent one, and then um, oh gosh, Struck by Wonder, Struck by Wonder, and Who Guards the Guardians from the Ghost Story entries are are up there with my favorite ones so far from that particular series too. Um. But yeah, there's there's a lot of entries in in Forsaken that just really hit close to home, as far as like emotion goes. Uh, I, I just I'm really really happy with all of that, how it's been, uh, which I guess leads into final thoughts and shoutouts. Really, so Beard, do you have any there? Uh, just a, a big thanks to. Actually, Icehawk and uh, Pet Shop, who I'm currently sitting here playing some strikes with at the moment. 
since I am pretty well no good at this for the moment. Uh, but they've been helping me out a lot with uh, catching up with the game and trying to uh, to keep going with some of the missions right now because I've been horribly underleveled. Uh, so extremely thankful that they've been able to help out with that stuff and so I can see some of the content that's actually in this game uh, and uh, actually finally report on it since time is not ever on my side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they did say that they wanted our complaint to be too much lore, too much lore, I call uncle. Yeah. Which they, I won't uh, ever yeah. call uncle, but, I mean, I will give them the satisfaction of saying, oh my god, guys. Yeah, I'm going to say it is uh, It's a lot of stuff. Uh, I am I'm definitely to the point, and I, I've been seeing it across multiple uh, creators' channels at the moment, but they've all been saying that it's just overwhelming the amount of stuff to dig into. And that's from a PvP love perspective. I love it. That's from a lore perspective. That is from an everything perspective. Uh, I mean, every week we have something new that we have to try to digest and try to uh, put into our skulls at the moment. And this has definitely been a welcome shift from where it used to be. Uh, so it's it's seriously like a good call on Bungie. Like, there is no... Uh, there is nothing that I am in any way like going to get mad about them for. It's uh, it's been awesome, period. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been it's been good to hunt again. It's been good to discover again. Uh, it's just been good overall to feel where the community is at, and then it's all pretty well. Uh, good things. So yeah, and just in and... general, I'm I'm happy to experience it though with these oh, guys. Oh yeah, so. yeah, no, I completely agree. Chat's talking about that right now with the voice lines. Um, to be fair, in response to chat, I kind of put this in there uh, for for those for those of you who might not know, I am trying to port over the videos from Twitch now over to YouTube, uh, so you can get the unedited versions that way. In addition, if you want to see, you know, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep this bit in the show that we put on the podcast. But if you want to see quite a bit longer episodes uh, and a little bit more of the rambling nature of the live streams, those are going to be over on YouTube starting starting this week. I've managed to start getting those over into an unedited playlist. Um, but what I did want to say is, um, you know, we're, we uh, Viru in chat said that he feel or they feel like they keep seeing new voice lines every week. And I think yeah. that I think that that is going to slow down here. Um, the reason being is that we know from uh, the silver lining of one of the debacles that happened with the API uh, at the beginning of Forsaken was that we got access to things that weren't intended to be released, uh, except they were supposed to be time gated to certain events and certain times. Uh, the yeah. silver lining is is that we kind of learned that calendar just by the nature of finding out what was supposed to be where uh uh and that time that time line-esque was about the three-week cycle uh so you know the three week of the the raid and then the taken you know influence of the city growing 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 and then it's going to get probably reset i don't know how they're going to explain it necessarily in game i know how they explained it in the lore i don't know how they explained it in game but um but I was saying, you know, I think that after that three-week cycle, the the amount of brand new content might slow down a bit, just simply because we're not we're going to be back. We're going to be in a cycle, 
you know, so we'll get these voice line, these new voice lines that everyone's, you know, rapidly trying to document and everything. We're going to get them again. Like they're going to, I think they're going to come back around. I think this is just my thought there, but I could see that being kind of the, the pattern that they're following here. Um, yeah, it, it also gives us like at their saying that we're not going to have content droughts. We're going to have a content drought that's going to come up, but it's not going to be something that's what's the best way to put it. There is still so much more for us to digest that it's going to be something that we're not going to experience for a very long time as being a full-fledged content drought versus like what we're used to seeing where it does go months on end without anything. Uh, but I know that that's the goal of like some of the, the newer content that is coming up uh, as well as some of the expanded stuff in the, the season pass, etc. Right. Uh, yeah. But I am definitely interested to see where that's going to take us. Because uh, there are definitely a lot of new new avenues that they can play with. Uh, there are, is also a book that isn't opened yet to anybody, as far as I know. Uh, it the, is The Truth to Power, I think it is. Yeah, uh, there, there are a couple of entries that have become available. Um, I don't think the full thing has been unindexed on Ishtar. I mean, obviously, no. if you go to Reddit, you'll have access to it, because uh, that was part of the the mishap that happened. Um, mm -hmm. but you can look the, it up on Ishtar just for clarity. Uh, if you know what they are called, you can just look up the entries and they can be found. There is also, I, I did some addition the, uh, last night, I think there's 166 entries that Ishtar has. Uh, there is 161 that are known, uh, and that are showcased in the triumphs books. Uh, so keep that in mind. There are a couple that if you go and dig through that are not shown as like super secret special ones. Uh, but that's the the only big thing to otherwise watch out for. Yeah, I'm curious to see on this three week cycle how things go, because I know it's supposed to come to a head with the uh, opening of Wishender, and that is going on this weekend. Right, uh, yep. And then it's supposed to flip back over, and then I think we'll be able to see like the starting of the the other stuff again like i'll be able to see the ascendant challenges that i wasn't able to see in weeks one and two uh and i'll be able to actually see hopefully some of the other missions that uh, were also available that i was not able to play uh which would be great yeah oh man there's like i said there's a lot to unpack i think we did i think we did justice for a summary review of the drifter at least here um, yeah, as being as being a, a summary, pure and simple. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, like, the what we're not doing yet, of course, is uh, doing spin foil or coming up with anything else. Just I don't think, yeah, I don't off. think we have a firm, I mean, to be to be fair to ourselves, I don't think we have a fair or firm enough grasp on everything within it to really no. kind of start being like, all right, so this and this. I mean, like, I have, I mean, you and I both, we've, we've had this conversation a couple times. You know, you and I both have our own, like, kind of, beginnings of theories yeah but they're but they're in the early stages and you know like the conversation with about pahanin you know like it's admittedly this is like a beginning of a theory but i also recognize 100 percent that there are plenty of holes in the like that i haven't had a chance to sit down and be like okay this is the answer to that problem or this is this could be an answer to that problem um right. 
and I think every I think everyone's kind of on that same book. I mean, we're we're still at this point we're still uncovering new lines and dialogue is so much more important now. Uh whereas in D1, you know, idle dialogue it was important, but it wasn't like groundbreaking as far as like theory crafting goes in destiny two, especially in forsaken, there have been some tidbits that have been dropped as part of idle dialogue that are just like that. I mean, just blow the, the blow things out of the water. Um, yeah. I know Zavala has, Zavala has a number of them. Uh, and then yeah, Shuro, the pilgrimage, uh, the Athlion. Oh my gosh. The, uh, yeah. Dino, the Athlion, I need to know more about. Like, I need to know what the Athlion is. Um, but yeah, history class with Shirochi is what the pilgrimage missions are being called at this point. So, and there, and those things, those things have great, great amount of information there. I know Ishtar is working pretty tirelessly to to transcribe those. Um, but yeah, so that all being said, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot of good feedback this past week. Uh, so I really, really want to give a huge shout out to everyone. Um, I've had really good conversations with people over on Reddit. Actually, uh, we got, I have gotten into a couple conversations over there. Um, one of them, one of them actually gave us the idea of trying to do a summary episode of the story so far in destiny. Um, I am going to try to figure out how to best do that because, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of information there. I know Bife has done his YouTube videos. I think everyone at this point has kind of, it's kind of made the rounds that particular topic. I haven't, I was, was told I, I was told I need to, but. So you were, I, we're on the same page, Beard. We're on the same page on yeah. that one. Yeah, it's like it's like times against us or something. Oh my god. Well, and it's also because I don't think I could do justice. Like when when you talk about summaries, I like I get I get so focused on on certain aspects that I'm like, "Oh, but this is really interesting." But they're like, "It's a summary. You don't want to talk about." So that's my problem. I have to try to try to figure out where where that all kind of where we can fit that in. Um I'm going to so, say there's got to be a line we got to draw in the same Yeah. Moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's what, uh, that's one of my, my side projects for this next couple, this next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to figure out how to do that. Excellent, excellent feedback. Uh, I believe that was from Reddit actually. And I just blanked on the guys. Oh, give me one second. Cause I really want to give this guy a shout out. Uh, Suffet, Suffet eight or 87, uh, was the individual who gave that idea to me. Um, so a really great idea, really great idea. I'm going to try my best to do it justice. Um, and then, yeah, like the feedback that we are getting on iTunes, uh, appreciate a lot of the points that we're making. We've got a couple of emails that we've had. Um, and I just appreciate it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming, guys, because that's what helps us get better at what we're doing. Um, and we're we're constantly trying to figure out a better way of doing what we already do. So. That being said, we'll run through an outro, and then we'll see you on the opposite side. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. 
please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>